And welcome to episode 3,245 of the Survival Podcast. Today's episode, The 13 Stomps to Success, Part 2, Stomps 7 through 13. If this happens to be your first episode or you didn't catch Part 1 of this, you may want to go listen to Part 1 first. The 13 Stomps are really 13 steps to find the success in your life that you want. These were part of a rewind series that I did all the way back in 2020 while everybody was cowering in their home and hiding from the COVIDs. I went fishing on the beach. I took the longest vacation that I've ever taken away from TSP to to this day. Almost three weeks I was gone, and I was afraid to leave without putting some new content in. So I came up with this concept of 13 steps to get what you want. I thought about the 13 things that were the most impactful on me getting what I wanted in my life, and I put them to this format for you guys. In each episode of that Rewind series, there were 13 of them, uh, had a little bit of new content at the end, one of the stomps, and then the older episode. So in the show notes, what you will find is a list of stomps 7 through 13, and the Rewind episodes that they were in originally, which... Some of them may be worth going back and listening to because this was a a whole series of uh, rewinds, which are old episodes I recycle when I'm gone, uh, that were part of what's called the Insurrection series, which is basically personal insurrection against the systems of control in your life. And they fit really well with the 13 Stomps. It's why I put them together in the first place. So if you're interested in any of the, the, the corollaries to where each of these Stomps was originally released in the show notes today, you'll find a way to get on over there. Also remember that while shows like these usually don't have much commercial content, you can always help support the survival podcast and the work that we do uh, by doing your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. And if you want to find a bunch of really great gear, cups, mugs, shirts, hats, hoodies, all that stuff with TSP branded stuff on them, check out tspswag.com, tspswag.com. With that, let's go ahead and uh, just a reminder that since these were intro segments uh, to multiple episodes, there may be a little bit of not quite exactly clear where the handoffs are, but I think it'll be pretty obvious, and everything might not fit together perfectly seamlessly like an episode if I had just redone this content, but I think it was so good the first time. I want to use the original stuff. Again, this has been asked for ever since I did it. It's had such a huge impact on so many people, and I I, I keep hearing it come back around, so I decided to put it together for this week. Uh, Why I did this week, though, this week is crazy busy, and today I actually am doing an interview on Robert Breedlove's show about Bitcoin. That's a huge opportunity for me, so to clear my slate, I put these two together for you for Tuesday and Thursday of this week. I will tell you that Friday we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming, so we'll have an expert counsel Q&A show, and here we go. Let's begin with stomp number seven. Step seven, do a deep analysis as to what concerns you, what you influence, and what you control. I want you to sit down today and I want you to think about everything that that you're worried about in any way, shape, or form. And I want you to rate those things. And so if you give it a zero, you have no influence over it at all. 
There's nothing you can do to change that thing at all. And it doesn't really affect your life. Got that? Don't influence it, and it doesn't really affect you. You just care. Let's say whether your football team's going to win the Super Bowl would be an example. Unless you bet money, it doesn't really affect your life at all. It is just for entertainment. Okay? If you have no influence over it, but there are things you can do for yourself that are related to it, i.e., I'm concerned about that hurricane off the coast, and paying attention to it will at least let you know to prepare for it and say there are things within your influence that you can do. Like, I'm worried about the stock market. At least I can move my investments. Okay, put a one next to it. If it's something that you can actually influence, something that maybe you don't fully control, but you can influence, I'm really worried about the decisions my son is making. Unless you're going to lock him up, put a ball and chain around his leg, and keep him in his bedroom, you cannot control that, but you can influence it. Put a two next to it. If it is in your circle of control, i.e., you can actually do something to make it happen or prevent it from happening. Like, I really think we need to have a bigger garden. Well, all that separates you from that is a shovel and you're asked doing some work. Put a three next to it. That's all I need you to do today is write down everything that you're thinking about, that you're concerned about, that you, you know, anything in your life. And rank it. Zero. One. Two. And then I want you to go through those and I want you to think about it. And whatever comes to you, I want you to write it down. And I want you to try to start to put some things in some order. The things that are in your circle of control, I want you to start thinking about which ones of those make sense to do first or to act on first and whatever it is. Same thing with your twos, your influences, things that you can influence. And then what do you have to do to influence them? So you see, it's the interesting thing. What you have to do to influence the thing goes all the way to a three. That's in your circle of control. Right? Then go to your ones. Your things that are like, hey, I'm worried about that storm out there. So what are the things you can do about it? Those become threes. And rank them in order of importance. And just start running your life this way. You won't have to always write it down. If you do, this is a skill that you develop, and all of a sudden what happens is you come up with a thought, and you think about this thing, and you immediately prioritize, prioritize it in your life. And you get so much more done. I have people sometimes that ask me, like, dude, you're not even 50 yet. And you talk about your old life, and your old life is now a decade ago, so you weren't even 40. And all this crap that you did, How do you get that much done? This is how. You ignore that which you cannot control, and you do that which you can, and you prioritize based on which will have the biggest impact in your life. Instead, most people have their priorities based on other people pulling the strings. In other words, I'm going to go to work because they'll fire me if I don't. It immediately becomes your top priority. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be, especially at certain points in your life. It was for me. But when you go to work, how about you perform the same analysis? I have to do these things because they keep me from getting fired, so I'll do all these things first. 
if I do these things, they might help me advance, so I'll do all these things second. And people really appreciate it when I do these things, but they probably won't get me advanced, promoted, or prevent me, present me new opportunities, so I'll do them third. And is that right for you? I don't know. I don't know how your, your job works. If, like, you can't even do that, if, like, all I do is come here and pull this lever or whatever, you need to start looking for some other opportunities, and that might need to have a three next to it and go really high on your list. Or maybe not. It depends. My favorite way to answer any question, you know that. It depends. So today is designed to help you uncover what it depends on and what you can do about it and how that relates to how much effort you put into it. So there you go. Do a deep analysis as to what concerns you and what influence, what you influence and what you control. And let's talk about our step today, our 13th steps or 13th stomps as we're up to number eight. I just did a show on this right before I left. Maybe you already did it. If you didn't, do it at least for a week. It's a real simple one. Turn off the effing news. Turn off the news. Now that you're kind of in the middle of this, you're seven steps into this process. You're beginning to figure out what you have that you don't want and what you want that you don't have. You've started to figure out where you really want to build your life at geographically. You've done your first series of how can I questions, and you should have been reading those questions every day since step three, uh, or step four when you did them. You should have had a financial plan developed, and this is not like some very complex plan. It's a basic budget and a basic understanding of the money that you have and the money that you don't have and the money that you need and what you need to do to make that all justify. You should have made a list of everything you already have and you're grateful for, everything you love about your life, everything you love about your job. Everything is good. And you should be going through that on a daily basis. And yesterday we started out with doing a deep analysis of the things that concern you, the things you influence, and the, the things that you control. That means that you are right at a precipice now where you are ready to do something. I didn't say everything. I didn't say everything that you should do right now. But I bet most of you, if you actually did this up to this point, You're ready to do something. You're ready to take some meaningful action in your life that you've been procrastinating on. And the number one thing that can derail that is tuning in to channel whatever and listening to a bunch of empty suits tell you bullshit that you do not need to hear. So on that, let's get into today's step. So let's just review the steps up till now that I've given you. Determine what you have that you don't want. Step two, determine what you want that you don't have. Three, determine where you really want to build your life. Four, write your first series of how can I questions down based on the last three steps. Five, develop your financial plan. Many call it a budget, but I mean more than that. And I won't re-explain what that is. You should know by now. Six, make a list of everything you already have and are grateful to have, everything you love about your life, your work, etc. Seven, do a deep analysis of what concerns you, what you influence, and what you control. Step eight yesterday was turn off the effing news for a week. Just a week. Hopefully you've done that. Nine. I want you today to get those how can I questions out. How can I have more money in my life? How can I have more time freedom? How can I get the property that I want? Whatever. How can I build my life in the place that I've said I want to build it? Whatever it is. I want you to take those li that list and I want you to review it today. And I want you to grill yourself Now that you know, you know what, how can I X, I want you to grill yourself on how I am going to get them done. I want you to start coming up with some answers. 
And you're not going to get answers to every one of them. But remember I said when you make that list to leave space between it, so when you write down your list, how can I get more money in my life? Leave a lot of space under that one. How can I have more time freedom? How can I have a property like fill in the blank? How can I start a business for myself? Right? How can I get promoted at work? How can I find a better job? How can I find a job that allows me to work from home at least part of the time? Whatever it is for you, right? I can't write your questions. I want you to start coming up with some answers, and I want you to write those answers underneath the questions. And then I want you to do something that's difficult for many people to do. I want you to be your own boss. And I want you to be a ruthless, heartless bitch of a boss, but one that actually cares about their people and actually wants them to become successful. So I want you to then grill yourself in your internal dialogue. Okay, how are you going to do this? Okay, is that reasonable? Okay, when can you start? Okay, what is the priority of this over this? Which one are you going to do first? Which one are you going to do today? Okay, you said you're going to do that one today. You said you're going to start working on it today. How are you going to do that today? Great, get on it. Then go back into your other body and go, okay, that's all I'm going to do. And go do something. Take a step today for one of those things. And if you won't, if you won't, this is where I'm going to, I said 13 stomps instead of 13 steps. If you won't, you are not ready yet. You don't want it. You are full of shit. You are full of shit. Everything you've done in this process up till now, if you won't take, if you won't find, if you won't stretch, if you won't do everything you can to find one, here's a word you don't usually like, and I'm not going to give you any more warning than that. If you won't do one fucking thing today to get something done in that direction, you are full of shit and you don't really want it and you're waiting for somebody to do it for you. Here's the good news. Right now, this second... You can flip a switch and change that. You can flip and switch and change that. Because I'm going to tell you, that the bad news is no one is ever going to do it for you. No one is ever going to give it to you. It is never going to effing happen unless you do it. And all of the things in the world that you think are luck, well, that was lucky because the person, you or otherwise was in the right mindset to recognize the opportunity when it occurred and to do something with it. Well, right now, since life's not just handing you an opportunity, even though it might be, maybe you're not ready to see it yet, because it takes a lot of work before we can see the negative as a positive. It takes a lot of work before we can look at the thing and go, gee, that sucks, but danger and opportunity the root of crisis. Right. It takes a long time when we see that. So now we have to literally create for ourselves an opportunity to act. Will you? Will you? And if you've pushed out and you haven't made any of these lists because you didn't think it was really for you and Jack's just giving you a homework assignment, rush through it. Do it. Just start writing. Get a freaking notebook. Get some scrap paper. Get a freaking note application in your freaking phone. Just do it. Make all the lists I've told you to make up till now, and then today do one thing. Do one thing. How hard is it to do one thing? Let me tell you the answer to that. 
If you haven't ever done this before, it's actually extremely difficult. And it's a 100% mental block. It's not physically difficult. It's not logistically difficult to find one thing you can do to move in the right direction. It is emotionally, spiritually, and mentally difficult. It's psychologically difficult. Because, you know that switch I said you could throw? It's actually how you really throw the switch. The second you do it, what you end up saying internally, and this is very hard to accept, is everything is my responsibility, and most things are my fault. While we live in a world, while we absolutely positively live in a world where everything is said to be somebody else's fault, everybody's fault but mine, And taking that on will mean that a lot of things that you've been able up till now to put an emotional shield around yourself with and say, it wasn't my fault, there was nothing I could do. You realize, even if it wasn't your fault, there was probably something more you could have done. And then you're going to have to, it's, it's, it's the matrix, you know, red pill, blue pill. All of a sudden, I'm going to have to do this forever. I can never go back to sleep. And you know at least subconsciously, and now you know right in the frontal freaking part of your brain, because I'm telling you, right, that that is the case. That I'm literally going to make this decision, and I'm never going to be able to put everything back in the, in the box again and pretend ever again that I don't have complete control over what happens to me. And you're thinking, Jack, no one has complete control over what happens to you. No, you have complete control over what happens to you in that you control how you react to everything that occurs in your life. If something happens to you that's going to take your life, you even have control over how you die. I will give you that if somebody walks up behind you right now and shoots you in the back of the head, and you just die, you have no control over that. I'll give you that. But if you go to the doctor today and they tell you you have cancer, and you have six months to live, you have control over how you live for those six months. And if you have control over that, then everything else you also have control over. You have to accept it. Either one's true or one's, or if, if that's true or false. And once that one's true, it's all true. In the world of self-defense, we teach it as everything that happens is my responsibility. Doesn't matter if I caused it. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Doesn't matter if I could have done something to prevent it or I couldn't have done anything to prevent it. In the end, whatever happens is my responsibility. So let's get to today's step. And today's step, if you just read this list and you looked at it and you ranked it on how difficult or how easy each one of these would be, you would rank this one, if you didn't have a deeper understanding of, of where they all come from, as being one of the easiest. Because I'm going to ask you to do today what you did yesterday. With one difference. It has to be a different thing. Remember yesterday... I told you to review your how can I questions and grill yourself about how you're going to get them done and add to them and pick one and do one thing. Didn't have to be a big thing, just had to be anything. You had to take some meaningful action toward getting one thing you wanted in your life. And I mean, it could have been really simple. It could have been, I need to know more about this thing. And so you did research into that thing and you acquired knowledge. And that start, and then you went back to your list and started making notes, right? You did one thing. Maybe it wasn't a big thing, but you did a thing. And I said it would flip a switch. Here's the problem. It's not exactly like I told you yesterday, like the Matrix. 
It's very easy when you take that first step to then convince yourself it really wasn't that big of a deal and to go back to sleep, to let the cords plug back into your mind and go back to doing what you're doing. The the old saying, right, from Confucius, I believe, is that every great journey begins with a single step. Well, let me add some modern spiritualism to that. But the journey does not become real until the second one is taken. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is take one more step. And it should be easy because you've already done it. You've already taken a step, so all you have to do is do it again. But this is going to be where the rubber meets the road for most people. This is going to be where it actually becomes a little bit difficult. Because when you take... I want you to think about this in, in, in real terms. You're standing in a place... You put your left or your right foot forward, depending on which one you step off on, you take a step. Where's your other foot? Where's your other foot? Isn't it right where you've always been? Have you gone anywhere when you take a single step? You haven't. You've put your right foot in, your left foot in, you're playing the hokey pokey. You can always shake it all about and pull it back out. You have not left the place that you started at when you've taken a step. When you, If you put your left foot out and you take a step, what happens when you pick up your right foot and put it in front of your left? Now you've moved. Now you've moved. Yesterday you probably picked something that was really, really easy to do. You behaved like, and I don't mean this in an insulting way. This is psychology, guys. Okay? I use metaphors to make things clear. You put your foot in the water of the pool to test the temperature like a child. And again, it's not an insult. Sometimes I call people adult children. It's very insulting because I mean it. This is not insulting. Just like the child, though, you've, you've tested the waters. To get into the pool, the other foot must come off the deck. Do that today. And I was about to say something that was really stupid, and I caught myself and I didn't say it. But I'm going to tell you what it was. It doesn't count, though, because I'm telling you, it does. I don't mean it. I was going to say, do that for me. That was a dumb thing for me to say. You're not doing this for me. Do that for yourself. Get in the pool today. Actually take the second step. Once you've taken the second step, you've left home base. It's still possible to turn around and run back like somebody trying to steal second off of first. But it's easier not to. Once you've made that commitment, once you've made that commitment to jump, it's easier to just keep going. And if you get tagged out, so what? You learn from it. You know what you do when you get tagged out after trying to steal second base? You go back to the dugout, and you get ready. When your turn comes, you get up to bat. And you swing again. It's really easy when it's baseball. It's really easy. Life is a lot like baseball. It really is. There are times when we get to swing for the fences. And there's times when we really have to lay down a grounder down the third baseline. There's times to bunt. But you know what you never do? You know what you never do? If you're in the game, you never go down looking.
whatever the shot is, a bunt, a line drive, a sacrifice fly, a solid double, or swinging for the fences, whatever the right thing is, you take the effing shot. One step is easy, but it leads nowhere because you're still anchored at home. Put the second foot forward today. Do that for yourself. Get ready for some discomfort. Now, if that wasn't enough, today we get to step 11 in your 11-part series. And this might be the most difficult step of all. And the reason this step is difficult is you can't do anything material to aid it along. It's 100% internal. And that seems like, well, that would be easy. Jack doesn't have an assignment that he can grade and give me an A or a B or a C. Or a D. By the way, that, that doesn't work this way here. These steps I'm giving you this week, this is like military training. If, you're actually gonna, if you were actually tested on them, it's a go-no-go. You either did it or you didn't. There's no A or B or C. It's go-no-go. Did you get a go on your last 10? Will you get a go today? This one's going to be hard. This has been, uh, it's been amazing to me. That we live in a place that we describe as a culture of entitlement, and yet people struggle to do this, which proves that we actually don't have an entitlement culture. We have a very sick society that has become convinced somebody took something from them so they should be given it back. That's actually not a sense of entitlement. A sense of entitlement is I should sit here and things should just show up. It's actually very hard to convince people of that. When I give you your step today, you're going to understand how hard it actually is. Because you're going to be like, I can't really accept that. Many of you, anyway. Especially if you've never heard me talk about it before. But the way you get a sociopathic society, when true sociopathy is actually very rare, is you convince an entire group of people, let's say the college students of, of today and the recently graduated and the soon to go in, you convince them through the educational system that's actually an indoctrination, that somebody took that which belonged to them, away from them, and those people should give it back. So they don't feel entitled, they feel incensed. And you'll hear today that there's actually a case for it, just of course the solution that you give them isn't one that actually works, because then you would not be able to keep using that system to control them. You don't actually want to solve the problem, well that's silly. You solve the problem, you lose your system of control, which you'll hear a lot about today. But it is an inter- isn't it interesting that when I tell you this step, many of you will immediately bristle. This step, accept the fact that you deserve exactly what you want. There's another piece to it. Some of you have heard it before, so you know it's coming. But I'll say it one more time. And I want, I want, if, if this bothers you, I want you to think about everything I've said up till now. I'm going to say it again. Accept. I want you, who, whatever your name is, insert name here. Insert name here. Accept the fact that you deserve exactly what you want. Do you have a hard time with that? Well, I'm not entitled. Most people have a hard time with this. 15-year-old kid has a hard time with it. Indoctrinated college student with a mountain of debt that wants Bernie Sanders to solve the problem, when you put it down to a personal level like that, and you tell them you deserve exactly what they want, that in, that so-called entitled child says, well, wait a minute, not ex- no, I mean, they, everybody does. Well, here's the second part. Accept that you, the fact that you deserve exactly what you want and that you simply have not done the work yet. Now the full picture. 
You deserve exactly what you want in life. You deserve it. You just have to work for it. Now, that can be twisted, as you'll hear in today's episode, as a system of control. Because the, the entire predication of the system of control is to take a carrot of what a person wants and put it in front of them like the donkey, and the donkey keeps going, but the carrot gets no closer. Only by working at the individual level for what you want in your life, and by following the types of, of, of steps that I've given you this week, like actually figuring out what that is in the first place, and then actually challenging yourself to figure out how to get it, only then can you actually break free of the systems of control. It's the only way. Because as long as you're working 100% within the system, even where you work in the system, you have to be aware of it. Like, okay, all this shit over here is my little anarcho-paradise that I'm creating for myself, and because I want more stuff in there, and because I can procure things outside of it, now I'm working in the system, and I need to understand very, very clearly I'm playing with a dangerous thing. It's like being a snake keeper, and you've taken the rattlesnake out of the cage. I used to, I used to work with hot, hot, uh, hot reptiles, as they're called. I don't anymore, but I used to. I learned how to do this as a kid. And one of the things I learned to be able to do this properly was there's actually, unless you're doing something like milking a snake, and even that can be done without effort actually touching the animal in many ways. There's a, a point where you have to, but if you never touch the animal, if you never actually touch the snake, there's no reason for you to ever get bit. You can work with literally dozens of rattlesnakes and cobras, etc. a day, and there are rules to follow. And if you follow those rules... It's not that you can't get bit. It's the instances of handlers being bit following those rules is extensively low. You're probably more likely to get in a car wreck and die than to end up in the hospital from being bit by a venomous reptile if you follow those rules. And when you go into the systems of control of society to procure what you want for what you're building outside of those systems... And whenever you're at that interactive edge between your systems and their systems, it's okay. But you have to be aware. You have to be aware that's what you're doing. And if you're not, you're going to get bit. And in this case, imagine that the snake doesn't actually kill you with its venom or make your arm necrotic so you need an amputation. Think about the cartoon version of Jungle Book where the snake is like doing something snakes don't really do. It's like hypnotizing the kid. Oh, and it's hypnotizing him. Imagine that the venom of this, this metaphorical snake that bites you, it hypnotizes you and puts you back to sleep and pulls you deeper back into the system. Okay. The way you get past that is you work the steps that we've been talking this week, uh, talking about this week, or this last two weeks, and you accept the fact that you deserve what you want. See, what the entire system of control is predicated upon is you actually not believing you deserve it. So that you'll keep working harder and harder and harder and harder to have it, and yet not, but you won't quit. Because you believe that if I work hard enough, I'll overcome the fact that I don't really deserve it. It's a crazy psychology, but it's actually incredibly easy to understand. Instead of actually carving out the path, here, I want this, I'm going to make this path, and gee, now I have it. Right? Instead of doing that, if I just keep working the system the way it's designed to be worked, eventually I will have these things. 
And, and see, even the people that are titans of the system, they didn't work the system. They worked outside of it, and they created an apparatus in the system. Jeff Bezos didn't get where he is by working really hard for a company. Okay? Bill Gates didn't get where he is. By, and I'm not admiring these men, by the way. I'm just pointing something out. They didn't go to work inside a company and work really hard and move up the corporate ladder. And anybody that's done that, I did it. Anybody that's done that, you know what happens. You get promoted, and then you get promoted again, and now you're at a level that, you know, let's say three years ago, you were like, man, if I ever get there, I've got it made. And you're like, this sucks. Honest to God, you're like, this sucks. In fact, in many instances, the higher you rise inside a corporate system, the more miserable you become. The more likely you are to put a gun in your mouth sometimes and blow your brains out. You look at the statistics, it's true. And you go, I don't understand, this guy has lots of money, why is he miserable? Because he's not fulfilling his life purpose. And because he doesn't, believe it or not, actually have what he wants. He doesn't have what he deserves. He's actually done more work, but he's done the wrong work. Because he doesn't really believe that he deserves what he really wants. Because most people do not want lifestyles of the rich and famous. Like I've said before, most people, if I started giving you money, here's a million dollars. And as soon as you realized like, I was serious, you'd be like, holy shit, my life has changed forever. Here's five million dollars. Wow. Here's ten million dollars. And there's a point where you're going to start to feel a little bit afraid. And there's a point at which you're going to say, you know what? Find somebody else. I'll take this much. I'm done. I don't need it anymore. Because you're not a psychopath. Because you're not a sociopath. Because you realize that there's a certain amount of money that creates a certain amount of power that you don't want. You don't want that much power because you're not a psychopath. So why do you constantly grind away at a system that only really promises more power? Because there's lots of ways to make more money. There's tremendous ways to make, unbelievable ways to have more money. But we tend to work more for a title than we do for a raise. The raise comes with the title. And the raise is already spent before we get it. It will, make, it, will, it will buy a larger car payment, not a nicer car. That's the world that we live in today. And it does go back to this thing. And this is why it's the hard step. Here's the reason this step's so hard. No one can do it for you. I can't accept that you deserve what you want for you any more than I can go watch the sunrise for you. The sun will rise. I will go watch it. I will appreciate it. I will see its true beauty. You can stand right next to me and refuse to do so. You may even look at it. But you, if you don't really see it, it didn't really matter for you. If you didn't notice how that one cloud as the red hit it looked like from a song, an angel holding out a bloody sword, then I can't do it for you. I can point at it, but only you can see it. And if you don't show up on the beach that morning, there's no way you can see it. The acceptance is showing up and being open to what that sunrise looks like. And the reason it's difficult is no one can even make you do it. There's so many things in the world that's good for a person that can actually be forced upon them if, if necessary. If you're a drug addict, I can take your drugs away and I can put you in a place where you can't get drugs and I can keep you there. And honest to God, for most people in about 30 days as we detox their system, we'll be able to get them into a state where they're going to be willing to admit they had a problem and if we can help them from that point forward, we can break the addiction. 
We can force a person to stop using drugs. You cannot force a person to accept that they deserve what they want. It is the most difficult step of the 13 I'm giving you. But I want you to do it. And it's the only way that you will ever, ever attain that which you truly want. Accept it, define it, and do the work to acquire it. And then you will believe that it is right that you have it. And then maybe you'll value it enough and see yourself worthy enough of building enough systems of sustainability and resiliency around it so that you don't lose it. So, what is your step of the day? Second to the last one. This one's going to be pretty easy because it gives you something to do. So the only thing that prevents you from doing this is laziness. I want you to start finding people who have what you want. And when I say I want you to find people who have what you want, I don't just mean people who have time freedom. I mean, not only do they have time freedom, they're doing the very thing that you would do. By now you should have a pretty clear vision of what that is. You should be going over the things you want every day. So, here's an example. Recently, my wife and I were thinking about taking a vacation to Alaska. And we found a couple. They have a business, and they have a huge following on YouTube. And all they do is drive around in their RV and video all the stuff that they do and post YouTube videos. And they've built a whole business off of it. Now, I don't know how much money they make, but I know enough that they have been able to live out of their RV traveling all over the country for several years now without anything approaching a real job. You know, in quotes, a real job, right? That's what they're doing. Now, am I going to emulate them? No, because you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to spend my entire life running around in an RV. That's actually not... It's not that I'm opposed to that. I just... It's not what I want. That's not what I most want to do. So... Just by looking at that, some people say, maybe I should do that because then I wouldn't have to work a job and I would have money. But if if you didn't want to live out of an RV that way, then following their example would probably be bad. But if you did, that would be one group of people you could say, this is someone for me to emulate. So I want you to find those people, whether you find them in real life and you can talk to them directly or you find them online. Just find them. And then the next part is examine what they did to get there. Because it's crazy. But like if you wanted a fire and you couldn't figure out how to build a fire and you went and saw somebody build a fire and you did the things they did, you'd probably get a fire. If you're like, oh, so holding a match up to a big stick of wood doesn't work. Look what they're doing. Oh, they're scraping bark off of the cedar. There's a cedar. I can do that too. Okay, you don't even have to know that it's called tinder. You just know that it goes there. Oh, look, little sticks and some dry grass. Okay, I'll get that. Put that in there. Okay, now some bigger sticks and twigs. Now, wh- what are they doing? They're, they're piling up a whole bunch of somewhat larger wood, but they're not putting it in the fire yet. Uh, I don't know. They got a fire last time. I think I'm going to do it. Okay, but, and now they're getting some really big logs, like I want to burn. They're also not putting those in the fire. They're setting them there. Okay, look, now they've ignited the, that little ball of stuff. What did the guy call it? He called it tinder? Okay, tinder. Like, like the tinder. Oh, look. Okay, now what's he doing? Okay, they've got a good fire, but he's waiting. Oh, nope, there goes a couple of sticks. I'll put a couple of sticks on, too. Okay, the sticks are starting to burn a little more. And you like, oh, I got a fire now. It's the most natural thing for human beings to do. It, it's an incredibly natural state to be in, to, to emulate. Primitive species compared to humans do the same thing. If you, if, you, if you understand how you bring up poultry, you know that mimicry is how they learn everything. If you get one duck to preen after it comes out of the, one duckling to preen after it comes out of the water, then another duck does it, then another duck does it, and pretty soon all your ducklings can go in the water and come out, and nobody freezes to death because everybody learns how to preen. 
one had enough natural instinct to start doing it, and then everybody emulated it, and now everybody's better for it because they've all learned the system. Turkey poults often don't know how to eat, as crazy as that sounds. And one pulled pecs out of instinct, and a little food gets in their mouth. They're like, oh, because there's no mommy turkey there, right? So, mm, mm, mm. well, that was peck, mm, yeah. and everybody's like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Peck, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, all the poles are pecking. Everybody's eating, full bellies. Oh, that was a pleasant experience. Look at the giant hand is bringing more of that stuff. Let's go peck it. This is a, this is a natural state for living organisms, an emulation. And emulation, as long as you're emulating proper behavior, almost always results in what that behavior results in. So if you go find, if one of the things you want is to have a really good capital reserve of money, and you go find people that have good capital reserves of money, and we're not talking about moguls like Bezos again, right? We're talking about blue-collar millionaire types. And you just look at their behavior, and you emulate their behavior for about the same amount of time they did it, and you actually stick to the plan, you'll probably end up with a significant amount of capital reserves and money. If you want a farm, and you go look at somebody that bought a farm and made it work, and, pay, and set the farm up to the point where it pays for itself, and you do exactly what they did, assuming like you don't go try to do what somebody's doing on a farm in Vermont, on a farm in southern Georgia. Like There's certain things you can learn, but you, you really do have to adapt to the climate, the market, the regulations, etc. But if you find people doing it where you're doing, where you want to do it, and you do what they did, you'll probably end up with a productive, successful farm. Now, there is a certain amount of skill set, but in the end, you develop skill through action, and you find the path to where you want to be by finding someone to go there. Think about it this way. You want to go to a place. You want to go to a place you've never been before. You don't know how to get there. I mean physically in a car. What do you do? You know what you do. You get on your phone. You pull up your map app. You put in an address. And it says, go this way. Everything you want in life works the same way. Someone did it. Go do what they did. You can have it too. Now, what you'll say is, but, you know, I found in almost all of these people, I've heard this objection before, in all, all these people, there were certain points along the way where they got lucky. They didn't get lucky. They were presented with an opportunity that they were in the right mental state, the right emotional state, and the right state of readiness to capitalize on. Because they weren't on the path in the first place. And you might be on that path and might have an opportunity you can't take because you're not sufficiently to a point where you can take that opportunity. And sometimes that will happen, and the best thing to do is not, because you're not ready yet. Only you can make that determination. But sometimes taking an opportunity at the wrong time can completely derail you. You don't have enough money to be able to do this properly at this point. But you know what that opportunity looks like now. And now that it happened, when you are ready, you can recreate it for yourself. But that's what I want you to do. I want you to find a, a group of people, not one. And I don't mean a group like all in one place. I want you to find at least four or five people. And with the Internet today, it's so much easier than it was back in the 80s. Right? I learned this system back in the, the early 90s, honestly. After I got out of the military... One of my mentors taught me this. Go find people that have what you want. Talk to them. Learn how they, they got it. And you can have it too. Crazy as hell. Well, you had to actually go out and network. Today you can actually find people. And most people today that have built these lifestyle types up that you can find, they've actually, if you go back to the beginning of their shit, when they sucked, they documented everything. It's all there for you. It's free. 
And most of those people, if you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm just getting started out, you know, do you, can you help me? And they might even say, look, I don't have time to like individually mentor you, but here's four or five pieces of content from back in the day, so to say, that, that actually you can just see what I've done. If you want to know how to do a podcast, you can go and search the Survival Podcast website, and you can find shows where I've, I've actually given out the entire formula for how I built the show for free. For free. Just here it is. Right? It exists if that's what you actually want to do. Don't do it if it's not what you want. I do this because I'm passionate about it. I love this. I'm literally doing what I most want to do when I do this podcast. I'm literally a case study for the episode that you're about to hear. Everything in my heart, everything in my soul, everything that I have is most dedicated to helping others through giving them the knowledge that I have through teaching. And I learned over the years to have enough humbleness as a teacher to realize a couple things. One, some people aren't ready for what you teach. Don't worry. It's okay. Two, some students will advance beyond what you can teach and go do things for themselves. That means you're successful. That does not mean you failed. Some people will already be at such an advanced state when they come across you that you won't be of any use to them. That's also fine. Maybe you can learn from them. But everything that I'm about is about that conveyance of knowledge. And I love to entertain as well. This is what I do. Because it's what I most want to do. The other things that I most want to do is I love having my little experiments, my gardens, etc. I love being with my family. I have literally built a life based on what I most want to do. And the total number of people I harmed to get here is zero. I, never, I don't say I've never harmed anybody along the way. I've never hurt anybody along the way. I certainly have. And in almost every instance that I've caused pain in somebody's life, I was not doing what I really wanted to do. I can go back to high school. And I tried to be a good friend to people, and I tried to stand up for people. But in the end, like all kids, you put people in that social pecking order. And there's some people I said some things to as a teenager that I really wish I could go back to and tell them, I'm sorry that I ever said that to you. But I wasn't being what I most wanted to be. And I think you'll find, if you, if you, the way you'll give yourself permission to follow this episode is if you go back and think at points in your life where you really wish you could take something back, not so much a decision you made that was bad for you, right? But something you did or said that hurt somebody else. If you examine that, it will be very difficult to say that you were doing what you most wanted to do. Very difficult for you to believe that. You really will. You'll even, even if you say, like, I, I talked to somebody recently who I really respect, and they said, back then I was a piece of shit. But I bet you if that person examined it, it wasn't because they were being themselves. It's because they weren't. It's because they weren't. So with that, I want you to find people that have what you want and examine what they did to get it. And I'm going to add to that as we go back to this other episode. I bet very few of them got there because they won the lottery. They all had a system that they worked long enough. And you can have the, the advantage that many of them didn't. You can look at what worked for them and figure out what works best for you, and you can combine systems. So, what is today's step? Today's step is a step that will be really easy to do if you didn't punk out. If you punked out, if you piked out, if you didn't do all the steps up till now, you're going to have to go do them before you can do the final step, which will be the step that you will do every day, every day for the rest of your life, or at least until you have enough of what you want to be content.
Okay, and I, when I say content, I don't mean like, oh, it's all right. I mean like, you're like, this really is a great life. And then any time in your life you're like, I would really like to also have, you're going to have to do this again. Go through the whole process again. So today's step is work your list today. Do this every day. Keep making updates. Don't stop until you have what you want. By now you should have a list of things you don't want, a list of things you do want. You should know where you want to really build your life. You should have a list of things that you need to do to get more money into your life and how your financial plan works. You should have a list of everything you have that you're already grateful for, everything you love about your life. As new things come into your life that you love, add it to that list. You should have turned off the news for the past week or so, so your mind should be in the right state. And you should have already started the process of reviewing your how-can-I questions and grilling yourself on how you're going to actually get them done. And you should have already taken meaningful action on at least two of those how-can-I answers. In other words, if you've actually done the work that I've given you for the past, what, two and a half weeks? If you've actually done the work, you've gone a long way toward doing something that's amazing. Establishing a habit. Most of the time when we hear habit, we, we immediately, like if I say, if we do the word association, I say black, you say white, right? I say wet, you say dry. I say habit, you say bad. Right? Habits can be good or bad. The easy, thing, the, the easy way to end up in habit is the bad habit because you just start doing something because it feels good. Remember yesterday we talked about having everything you want, or what if you did what you really wanted to do? We talked about not removing the consequences of that. So when, when people behave in a way that's actually a bad habit, it's not really doing what they really want to do. It's responding to short-term emotional things. It's not actually a well-thought-out, logical plan to, to do what you most want to do. Right? It's like, in fact, and usually what it is is a person living counter to what they really want uses short-term pleasure like a drug. And it could be a real drug, it could be any behavior. And then if you do that behavior enough, and it actually makes you feel even just a tiny bit better, and you do it for a couple of weeks, it becomes a habit, it becomes an ingrained behavior, to where you'll do it habitually without even thinking about it. Well, what if you created a habit that got you forward and, and, and made you go in the direction you wanted to do? So the habit you should have formed by now, and if you if you have it, now you can... Now you can force the habit is just once a day reviewing your life, what's great about it, what's not so great about it, what you want, and asking yourself how you can have what you want. And then making a few notes. That's it. And I know it sounds too simple to work. I know it's like Jack should be telling me buy this stock and do this thing and plant this plant and that's how. No, because what you're going to do with the resources that you have, is going to be completely different than what a person just a block down the street from you is going to do. And, and completely different than what some guy that podcasts for a living and has for 12 years is going to do. You're in a different place in your journey. You might be ahead of me. This will still work for you if you want more. You might be behind me. This will get you where you want to be, assuming you want more. But that is the habit, and it, it, it locks into something that just people refuse to accept and that is how powerful your mind really is. If you challenge your mind, it will rise to whatever challenge you give it. So most of us challenge our mind with, how can I find a better way to condemn Kim Kardashian's ass? Or how can I find a better way to condemn the president? Or how can I find a better way to condemn the president's opponent? Or how can I find a better way to not give a shit about how bad my life sucks? Or how, you know, this, is, this is what people challenge themselves with. How can I find another way to spend my money? 
How can I find another way to extend myself into debt? If you really think about all of the negative behaviors that people do, they actually are challenging themselves to do more of them. And surprise, surprise, that's what you get. If you really understood the power of your mind, you might respect it a little bit more. Not just for what it can do for you, but what, can, what it can do to harm you. See, this little exercise, and this might have felt like a lot of work if you actually did it. I'm going to bet that maybe 2% of you did it. And I'm going to challenge the other 98% of you to maybe think about actually going back and doing it. I'll put a link today in the show notes to a little text file that has the 13 steps on it for you. So if you didn't write them down or whatever, you can actually do it. The 2% of you that did it, if you continue, I know that you'll have great things in your life. See, I would make a lousy motivational speaker, I think, in some ways, because, you know, like, you can do it, you can do it. I know that, like, most of the people I'm pointing to saying that, I would be like Pinocchio with my nose growing in the Geico commercial. Like, I know you're not going to do it. I don't know which ones of you aren't, but I know the vast majority won't do the work. But I know those of you that did, the work's easier from here. Not the work in your life, but this work, the work I gave you. The determination of what you want and what you don't want, the making of the list and all. This now is, is literally a five-minute daily process. And, and it, it, it might often be days, it might be less. And if you just make it kind of the first thing you do, and this is what I think you really should do, you should make it the first thing you do in the day. Or the last thing you do in the day. And if you're really dedicated, maybe both. And I'll tell you why, it's two different things. So, if you wake up in the morning, have your coffee, and go somewhere quiet for even two minutes, and you read your lists, and anything that comes to mind, you make a note, or you add something to it. And that's all that you do. And you go on with your day. The day is ripe with opportunity. Opportunity to learn to add to, to do more, or to actually capitalize on something that pops up. Remember we talked about luck through this several times, and I said luck is bullshit. Luck is simply being ready for an opportunity when it shows up. So your day will be ripe with opportunity. And sometimes it might just have one or two that you can capitalize on. It might be that one thing I learned today. I'm going to put that in my notes. That one thing that applies to this thing that I said that I want. By waking up first thing and reviewing those lists, your mind will be challenged during the day. No matter how shitty my day is, you find me something that relates to this. And if you know anything about pattern recognition at this point, you know that you'll see those patterns when they show up. They'll pop because because even though you kind of went into work, your boss chewed your ass, your wife was pissed about something you didn't do over the weekend that you said you were going to do, your car needs to get service work. I mean, it's just a shitty Monday. It is. It is, it is a kind of Monday from that... TV show, that, that movie, Office Space, right? Case of the Mondays type thing. And, and, the, and the construction worker says you get your ass kicked if you say it, and you want to say it anyway. It's just that shitty of a Monday. Because maybe you'd feel better if you got your ass kicked, because at least you'd feel something because you're that miserable. And my God, I need to go get a double shot espresso because the coffee I drank this morning didn't work. Even if it's that day, even if it's that day, I'm going to have to work late. I'm going to get stuck in traffic on the way home. It's that day. If you start it this way, You'll find something in it that will help you get what you want. And that's why you should do first thing. As for what it being the last thing, or one of the last things that you do before you go to bed, you work in two modes, mentally and cognitively. You work in the waking world, and you work in the world of being asleep. And dreams are symbolic and confusing because it is your mind literally unraveling everything that happened to you that day and solving problems, and it does it in ways that 
um, can be confusing, but it actually rewires things while you sleep so that when you wake up the next day, you're better able to face your day. That's the purpose of dreaming. Right? A lot of things that look like they're prophetic in dreaming is because you actually have, like prophetic dreams are not really a thing, but they are a thing. So I don't believe people have a dream and then it happens because they have precognition. I believe what it is is that everything you need to be able to predict the likelihood that something will occur in the future, you already have that information in the dream, assembled it in different ways so you could see, hey, this thing is coming. And you have a thousand dreams like that that do not come true, but you'll remember the one that did, so all of a sudden it was prophetic, right? So you have that power. And when you wake up in the morning and then you immediately go back to that list, just a brief Again, you can get up, make the coffee, take the dog out for a poop, whatever it is. But some point before you engage in your life, how can I have this, 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 and this? What have I done recently to get that? What is my next action item? How can I make that happen? What are the things I don't want in my life? Oh, gee, look, there's a lot less of that one already. How did that happen? How can I apply it to this one? Just two to five minutes in the morning and in the evening. You're taking the most powerful computer in the known universe. I'm not saying there's nothing more powerful, but that we know of. This is a bioelectrical, mechanical, self-learning computer. And you're saying, Watson, work on my life for me. Imagine if you had the power of Watson in your house. Like the whole Watson IBM computer, and you said, Hey, Watson, here's my shit for the day. Give me some answers by the end of the day. You'd probably use it. Your mind is so much more powerful than Watson. It's so much more powerful because while Watson can look at a megatrend and be really useful, it can't know your life. It can't know your life your way. It can't have the emotions that you have. It can't know what really makes you happy. It can't. So you have a far more powerful tool than the most advanced artificial intelligence that's ever been made. And most people spend most of their life ignoring it and wasting it. You know, it's like I've talked about many times with preparedness. If you don't realize what you have and know why you have it, you could be in the middle of a crisis and have every resource you need to get through the crisis and fail to get through the crisis because you didn't use the resources that you had. That's why it's important not only to be prepared, but to review what you have frequently and think about scenarios like if this, then that. Right? Like if there's a fire and it's coming at my yard, these are the things that I know in advance that I can do, and then I'll adapt to the things that don't conform to what I thought was going to happen. And then you'll remember, hey, I do have a garden hose, and I do not have to put out the fire. I just have to prevent it from like traveling onto my property. And in some instances you can, and in some instances you can't, depending on what kind of fire we're talking about. Is it your dumbass neighbor like mine started a bushfire and you have a fence line and pretty much you can go up and down that fence line and just keep the fire at bay, especially if one of your family members helps you? Well, then you do that. Is it a massive torrent and the wind's blowing in the wrong direction and you're about to be engulfed and what you need to do is get, your, get yourself and your animals and your family and get out? Then you do that. But whatever the resources are that enable you to do either of those things or some other thing, the fact that you've reviewed them and you know that they're there, makes you more likely to survive because there's plenty of times when people have failed to survive. And you go back and look and go, well, if they had just taken this thing that they had right in front of them, they would have survived. And that's the power of the mind. So what if we directed that power, along with the steps that I've given you this week, the other 12 steps, and said we're going to use that computer 
to give Tom, Tim, Bill, Susan, Debbie, Anthony, etc., whatever your name is, insert name here, what they want. Not what Jack wants for you. Because the only thing I can say that I want for you is I want you to have what you want if you do the work to get it. That's what I want. That's the only thing I can say that I want from you. Because I, I, I can't know what that is. There's a guy named Bill listening right now. Like, here, do my, my pretend televangelist thing. And, and I guarantee you, with an audience my size, there's at least one Bill out there that wants this. That wants to have a nice little farm somewhere. I want Bill to have that. There's another guy named Bill who doesn't want anything to do with a farm. He thinks a farm's a pain in the ass. He wants a little cabin in the woods somewhere. He doesn't want a garden. He wants to just go hunting and fishing. And he's willing to buy the shit that he wants beyond that and doesn't give a damn and wants people to leave him alone. I want Bill to have that. That Bill to have that. Another Bill, like, he wants a really sick-looking beach house, man. He wants it to be awesome. He wants to live like almost like the lifestyle of Liverage and Famous. He just doesn't want to be tied into all their bullshit. I want him to have that. And the differences of things that you want in this audience are as varied as the stars in the sky. There's a lot of commonalities, or you wouldn't listen. But it's, it's as varied as it gets. And whatever it is, as long as you do the work for it, I want you to have it. And the reason I don't want you to have it if you don't do the work for it is I know it won't last. I know the majority of people that win the lottery end up far worse off five years down the road than they were when they won. I know people that, you know, from the news and media, I don't mean personally, but I know people, you know, like, if you look at, like, Rodney King, Rodney King was justifiably granted a huge settlement for the injustice that was thrust upon him. And he ended up, if I remember correctly, dead in the bottom of a pool. Because having an injustice hurled upon you is awful, and compensation is often warranted, but it does not equal doing the work to get that's necessary to get what you deserve. It doesn't. So if you come across some giant windfall, it's actually more important to do something like this, not less. Because that money is power. And that money can hurt you if you're not prepared for the power. It's like giving a person a gun with no training. And not just any gun, like, you know, like a fully automatic um, pistol. Or, a, you know, a short-barreled, fully automatic weapon where they can blow their fingers off with it because they've never used one before and they don't even know how to use a normal gun. It's, and the more you give them, the more dangerous the, the weapons cache is that you've given them. You've also now you've given them hand grenades and rocket launchers and law rockets, and maybe they'll try shooting one of those at a bush to see what it does without understanding a back blast area and set their house on fire. I mean, you know, this is, this is literally what happens when you give people money. Well, what I want you to understand as we, as we wrap this up and you get ready for the return of, of your daily scheduled programming with TSP is your mind is exactly the same danger to you. If you do not direct the most powerful computer known to man that exists in your bone skull to give you what you want, you're letting it do whatever it does with complete disarray, and it can destroy your dreams. Why do you think so, pe so many people end up with their dreams destroyed? There were good people that really didn't hurt anybody or harm anybody, but it's still they end up miserable. They end up when they're old, they don't care that they're going to die at some point because they're just waiting to. It's because you let that incredibly powerful tool to itself. And you didn't do it in a world like our ancestors came from that was mostly built on natural systems where that's okay. Because in those natural systems, you behave like a natural being.
No, you were in an artificial world with artificial stimuli designed to control you where the people in power knew exactly what they were doing when they did it and you didn't. And you let that tool that could have made your life great work against you. That's how people end up that way. I don't want that for you. Again, I don't know what it is that I want you to have in your life, but I know that I want you to have it if you do the work to get it. So there they are. The 13 Stomps put into two episodes where they can be listened to back to back. For about 18 months since I first released, no, no, two and a half years now, right? Two and a half years since 2022. So for about two and a half years, I have had people ask me to do what I just did for you. It's interesting to me that when I did this series of rewinds, there, the last episode, the one that you just heard the intro for, was called The Toolbox Fallacy. The Toolbox Fallacy. That's a belief that you need something more than you have before you can do the thing that you say you really want to do. Well, I can't do this until I have better tools. I can't, you know, if it's directly tools. I can't do this until I have more money. I can't do this until I get this one more thing. I can't do this until I buy and read another book. And all of those things can be good things to do. But when they impede progress, they're the toolbox fallacy. I've been asked to do this over and over again. This week, things aligned for me. It made sense for me to use repackaging this material so that I could get ahead of things and I could take care of some of the commitments I made. I'm teaching a seminar for Tom Woods Friday night. I'm doing today, if you're listening to this today it comes out, I'm doing an interview with Robert Breedlove. I had uh, a seminar that I did with John Bush this week. I had uh, a, a commitment to John Willis and Nicole Sauce that I also made this week. That's a lot to do in one week, plus producing the show every day. So it made sense. Save a little time. Repackage this material. Though it did, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. It didn't save me that much time. What it saved me was the time figuring out what to do for an episode, putting together an outline, all of that. When it came to actual work of doing it, it actually took about the same amount of time to go in, pull these things out, edit it all together that would to just record an episode. So you asked for it. You said you wanted it. You said it would matter if I did it. Those of you that did. And those of you that didn't ask, but you wanted me to. You thought when I, you heard I was doing this, you were like, this is a good thing. Don't screw me over. Don't show me that I wasted my time. Take it now that it's all assembled in, in, in two episodes, in one place. You can listen to them, skip the next episode, and listen to them back to back if you want to. You can do it over and over and over and over and over again. You don't have to go back to those individual episodes and find the part about the steps. You can just listen to it until it makes sense. Don't make that for nothing. Do something with it. It's your choice now. It's your choice now. You're going to say to yourself, well, he gave this originally over almost three weeks, so if I do it all now, then it's you know 13 steps, and i got to do them all. No, I don't care. Listen to it. Do step one. Do step two. Write them down. Take 13 days to get to the final step of having the habit formed. That's okay. But if you've listened to these two and you still can't, if I were at your house right now and I said, show me your freaking list from step one. 
You're listening to these words and you don't have it. Go make that list now or nothing that you just spent your time listening to is going to change one thing in your life until you take what? That first step. But remember what we learned about steps in this series. The first step means nothing. It's the second step. I had an epiphany when, my, when I heard myself say that about the first and the second step. And the second step is when you've really left home, home base. You've stepped off the plate. You put your right or your left foot out first. You set it down. You've gone nowhere because your other foot's still right back where you started. You haven't left. But the epiphany was, it's the second step that decides the direction. You take that first step. Go forward. Do it for real right now if you want to understand what I'm saying. Take one step. Your left foot, put it forward. Now decide what direction you want to go when you take your second step. Unless it's a full 180 degrees behind you. You don't have to come back. You take steps straight out. You bring your right foot over to the right. You can go 90 degrees from that location. It is the second step that determines the direction that you're actually heading. One step is a baby step. When you take your second step, about using the wall to hold yourself up with. About crawling. About pulling yourself up with the table. You take your second step and you choose the direction. You're actually acting like the grown-ass man or woman that you're supposed to be. You asked me for this. I gave it to you. And I did it because there's been so many people that have reached out to me over these, these two and a half years and said, Jack, I did it and it worked and here's what's in my life. I want a hundred more of those in the next year. Don't let me down. I want the emails of what you did to your life with this process. But more importantly than I wanting that for me, I want the results for you. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around they said you should have a house the american way a dollar down a dollar a month and you never have to pay there's a better way to do this let me show you a better way Yeah.